0: Welcome to a recording of a short Bible-based talk from Hope Church, Worcester. If you're in the area and you'd like to visit us, we would love to see you. We meet in our building called the Granary, which is located in the centre of Worcester. Amazing, wonderful. Well, uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 10. Uh, I'm going to read a few verses from here and then we're really just going to focus on two verses today from Acts chapter 10. And in the adventures, the sort of the life and adventures of poor Peter, as I call him, the poor guy decides to follow Jesus, hasn't got a clue what he's sort of letting himself in for. Peter, on this particular day, finds himself in a house full of Romans. And Peter's a Jew and he hates Romans. And God's kind of led him there. And he's, you know, it's not, I'm not saying I hate you. But I'm trying to create the feeling of he's standing there and he looks out and there's a bunch of Romans and he sees them as unclean and they're the enemy and they're the evil oppressor. His people hate their people. They are the problem and God's called him there with angels and visions and all kinds of things and he's got to preach to them. So he's standing there, what do I say to these guys? And this is what he says. So this is Acts chapter 10 and um, verse 34. Just going to read a few verses. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. That's a polite way of saying, I don't like you, but apparently God does. (laughs) Right. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. He's a bit of a Pentecostal, isn't he? Through Jesus Christ, he's Lord of all, amen. Then he carries on. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So now he's, he's getting into storyteller mode and he's like, God anointed Jesus. And Jesus started going around and doing good and healing people. And then he says, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he's the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So let's pray, and then we're just going to focus on a couple of verses in this. Father, we thank you for your word, We thank you that it's alive and powerful. We thank you that this story is our story. And we pray, come Holy Spirit and be our teacher. Please, Holy Spirit, open our hearts, speak to each one of us. I thank you that with Elijah, you didn't speak to him through the earthquake and the wind and the fire and the dramatic stuff. But it was just your little voice and your normal way that you speak to people. Thank you. It doesn't have to be dramatic, but it's your word and your spirit. So come and speak to your church, I pray. Amen. Amen. What I wanted to do was just focus on two verses, 42 and 43. And we're just going to go through these verses sort of bit by bit and try and understand what they're saying to us. And so let's just read them, 42 and 43. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so it starts with saying, and, and he commanded it. And so this is a continuation of the story of Jesus. God anointed Jesus. He went around healing people, doing amazing things. And then he was killed and put to death. And then he rose from the dead. And then he ate food with the disciples. One of my favorite bits of the story. You know, fish for breakfast on the beach. That sounds amazing. And then he commanded us, and the verse carries on. And so it's it's a continuation of the story of Jesus. We we love we celebrate Jesus' life, we celebrate his death, his resurrection, and now we also are focusing on then after he rose from the dead, what he said to his disciples. And it says, And he commanded us. So this is a command from someone who's risen from the dead. I don't know about you, but if someone came back from the dead and said something to me, I would take it quite seriously. I'd think, he knows what he's talking about. And I'm going to listen. And Jesus has come back from the dead, and he's got something to say, and so it's something to listen to. And then it says, he commanded us. And and what's interesting here is it's not a suggestion. What he's going to say here, it's a commandment. Jesus told us this is what we've got to do. Okay, it's it's a commandment, not an additional extra. You know, if you get your TV deal, so we're with Virgin, we've got our internet, our TV, whatever. um, You can get your add-ons, right? So if you you know if you really want them, you can get Sky Sports, or you can get you know, the Disney channels or whatever it is. So you get your basic, your core package, and then you get your add-ons. This commandment that Jesus is giving, it's a core package. It's not an add-on, okay? If you go Costa, just over there, I went there yesterday, very nice. Uh, I like Worcester, hey? You've got a lot of, like, coffee shops. You've got the Greek place, does good souvlaki, been there? Oh, man, you guys are blessed. Um, You go Costa... They've got all different kinds of coffees, you can get, you know, fluffy ones and frothy ones and with chocolate sprinkles or marshmallow, whatever. But the core thing is, has it got a shot of coffee in it, right? Otherwise, it's pointless. Otherwise, it's all froth and sprinkles, but no coffee. This commandment that Jesus is giving when he's risen from the dead, if it's not in the church, the church is just froth and sprinkles. Right? This is the core thing. This is the key thing. This is the commandment, not the add-ons. It's the core business of the church. It's not to be delegated to mission agencies, or they can go and preach to the to the world, as we're gonna see. It's core business for us. It's what we do, it's what Jesus told us to do. Okay, you can't sub it out to a subcontractor. I've got a mate who runs a building firm. He does a lot of, you know, he's got a lot of subbies, gives stuff out to other people, but there's core stuff that he's got to do. And if he doesn't do those things and it goes wrong, it's on him. It's his responsibility. This is core business. As a dad, I have core business. I can have babysitters look after my kids. I can have someone else pick them up from school. You know, the school can educate them. I don't really care about that kind of thing. But there's core stuff that only dads can do, like discipline, like playing Xbox. <laughs> That's my core business, right? I'm not giving that to anyone else. That's mine. You understand? Jesus commanded them. What did he command them? To preach to the people. So to preach to the people. And so if there are people, we need to preach to them. This is the core business. That's the the coffee in the coffee. And so if you just imagine that you are the world. I don't want you to sing it. We are the world. But you are the world. Okay. The world's population today is... A third Christians so you lot there are third okay you're the Christians give us a wave look saved and happy there we go the world population today did I pick the wrong bit of the room (laughs) sorry guys the world population today a third of you are Christians people who trust Jesus people who read the Bible a third of people in the world That's that's a lot of people right this is a big faith we're part of A third of people in the world today aren't necessarily Christians, but they live within sound of the gospel. So they live in countries or places where if they wanted to go to church, they could. There's a chance that they could meet a Christian. So it's like the people in Worcester who aren't Christians, but they could have the opportunity because they could come and find you guys right here. Yeah. So they're not Christians, but they've got the opportunity of encountering the gospel if they wanted to. The third third of the world today, give me a wave, you guys, are people who have no opportunity to encounter the gospel because they live in countries where there are like almost no churches, almost no Christians. So if this guy woke up in the morning and had a dream and thought, oh, I want to go and find out about Jesus because I had a dream about him, he wouldn't know where to go because in his country, there's not a lot of churches. In his city, there probably is no Christians. In his language, there might not even be a Bible. Do you understand? So the world is a third, a third, a third. Now, when we're told to preach to all the people, preaching to this lot is easy. That's what I'm doing right now, right? I'm preaching to the choir, you're the church. We could do that, tick, easy. Preaching to this lot, you guys are doing. You're right here. You're in the middle of Worcester. You've got all your community stuff going on. You run alpha courses. You talk to your friends at the school gate. You're sharing with your mates at work. You know, you're know you're fully engaged in preaching with your life, with how you live every day to the town of Worcester. So this is happening. What you've been doing in, in Uganda with Emmanuel for 30 years is he's preaching to his people and you guys have been supporting, training, equipping leaders, being a blessing so that he can bring the gospel in Uganda in this space, right? What we're talking about is unreached spaces. So sending people to places where there are almost no Christians and almost no churches. And that's part of our responsibility too. That's what Jesus is asking us to do here. And he says, he commanded us to preach to the people and, what's the next bit of the verse? To be a witness. Um, So what's a witness? It's pretty simple. In court. Anyone ever had to sit in court? I won't ask why or (laughs) which side of the court you were sitting on. Um, But if if you have to be a witness in court, what they want you to do is just say what you saw. So don't embezzle, don't speculate, don't go, I saw this and I, th-, you know, I saw him carrying a bag at night and I think it was a body. No, just tell him what you saw, okay? <laughs> don't interpret, don't be fluffy, don't, don't be fancy. Just say what you saw. And actually, that's what Jesus is asking us to do. When he says, I want you to be a witness, my witnesses, you, you see what Jesus has done in your life, you see what he's done for you, and you tell people. You know, like the blind guy that gets healed and he says, look, I don't know a lot, but I know I was blind and now I see and they're asking him all these complicated questions. He's like, sorry, I don't know. I'm just going to say what I saw. That's what you've asked me to do. I was blind and now I see. And we've all got something, haven't we, in our lives that we can witness to Jesus about. Very good. I know that I was this and now I'm this. Very good. And I couldn't have done that. And so what qualifies someone to be a witness? where well, you saw something and you can tell people about it. And that's what we're asked to do. Very good. Now, one of the things that happens in court sometimes is, at least it does in the movies, I don't know. Um, Witness intimidation, (laughs) you know, where it's like there's this key witness, and so the mafia go around them and scare them so that they won't come to court and testify because their testimony is going to be key. And witness intimidation happens to a lot of us as well, doesn't it? It's like, well, I wanted to tell that person what Jesus had done in my life, but I was scared to. it's like, we understand that, but actually, if we don't, then how are they going to hear? So it's very simple, But it's what we're asked to do. And a witness, if they're invited to court, they have to show up. They have to show up in court. They have to take the stand. They have to say their bit um, for the jury to see them and hear them. And so with us, we've got to show up in our local space with people, but we've also got to show up in the unreached spaces because otherwise, how will they hear? And so we read, Jesus said right at the beginning of Acts, in Acts 1-8, very famously, you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the ends of the earth. And that's what he's asked us to do. And then he says this, and this is lovely, right? He says, he has commanded us to preach to the people and to be witnesses of what? That he is is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. So the good news is what? That actually, it's Jesus who's going to judge everyone. And you think, why is that good news? I'll tell you why. If you, I don't know what you would like to be judged by at the end of your life. If you go to the old Bailey, what's the statue of justice? It's blindfolded. You know, this idea that justice is neutral. It's no respecter of persons. It doesn't care if you're rich or poor. You know, it's indiscriminate. There's something very attractive about that, impartial. But I don't want to be judged by a standard or an idea or a principle that I've got no relationship with, that's kind of cold and distant. The good news is that this Jesus, who lived among people, who died, who rose again, he's the person that's going to judge us. This Jesus who we've been singing to, praying to, building our lives on, walking with, this Jesus who I know, who I talk to every morning, he is gonna be the judge of the living and the dead. So I'm gonna be judged by someone who loves me. I'm gonna be judged by someone who I've got a relationship with at the end of my life. That is incredibly good news, right? It doesn't mean he's gonna be a let off, a walkover. It's not soft and fluffy. Jesus is true and right and his standards are pure. he loves me. I've got a relationship with, I've been building a relationship with him my whole life so that when he judges me, I'd be like, remember me? Yes. And so Jesus is, he's close, not distant. He understands suffering. That's going to help me. He was unjustly treated and sentenced to death. So he understands how it is to be wrongly judged and to have power abused. And he's going to judge me. He was vindicated by his resurrection from the dead, and he's going to judge me. You understand? And so I don't. I don't want my life cold, judged by a cold, impersonal standard somewhere. I don't want. I don't care if other people judge me during my life. You know that's life, isn't it? All the time, roasting you on social media, having a go, laughing at you. You know, I don't care if other people judge me. But I am excited by the good news that it's Jesus who's good. Because he doesn't just see my actions, he sees my motivation. He understands the complexity of my life. He understands my pain and my mess. He's going to judge me righteously in love. That's wonderful good news. And so the one who's given us a command, a very simple core command is the one who's going to judge us. So presumably he's going to judge us also in light of that command. So if my wife gives me a shopping list and then I come home and I haven't got everything on the list as much as she loves me, (laughs) she's still going to have a go, right? Where are the bananas? Oh, I forgot bananas. They're on the list. Yeah, I I bought beer. (laughs) We don't need beer. (laughs) And um you know or if i put on my tinder profile certain characteristics about myself like i'm tall and i've got lush hair for example and then you meet me in real life and that's not what i look like i'll be judged against those characteristics right and so he gave us the command he will judge us against this command so it's very simple he's he's told us what to do and then he's going to judge us and then it says uh, to this all the prophets bear witness and so what that says is this is a continuation of the story. All the way through the Bible, the prophets have been saying the same thing, basically, which is God made the world beautiful. We broke it through our sin. We, we broke our relationship with God. We broke our relationships with each other. We brought the mess and the pain. It's because of us. And, um, but, but God chose a particular guy, Abraham, and said, I'm going to bless you, and through you, the whole world's going to be blessed that's what Abraham was supposed to do. And through him, you have the people of Israel. And the prophets keep coming, and they keep saying the same thing. The blessing isn't just for you. It's for all the nations. And why does, why does it say all the prophets had to say this? Because for some reason, it kept not happening. In, a, in every generation, the prophets had to remind them, hey, Israel, it's not just for you. It's for all the nations. And actually, in every generation of the Christian centuries since Jesus, we still have to keep reminding ourselves Church is not just about us. Church is about the people out here. And church is about the people over there. So who's going to go? And in every generation, we have to remind our people. And that's what we feel particularly called to do at the moment across our New Frontiers family. Just keeping the unreached on the agenda. Who will go? Yes, we go in our local space. But who's going to go? Like you say, it's expensive. It's slow. It's boring. We send our best people to the hardest places. So we've just sent my closest friends to another country. I really miss them. Christmas was hard without them, but they're there now, and we're going to keep doing that because we've got to send our best people to the hardest places. And and so all the prophets testify this, and then finally it says this, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so you've got this wonderful thing that we've been singing about that we celebrate as Christians don't we that it's not just someone who loves us who's going to judge us according to our actions at the end of time but it's someone who is authorized by his resurrection from the dead to give us the gift of forgiveness for our sins. So we get to the end of time we stand before Jesus and judged and he gives us forgiveness through his blood because of the death of the innocent on behalf of the guilty. Hallelujah. It's incredible. And so in Romans, we read this. Everyone who calls on the name will be saved. But then how will they call on him if they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they going to preach unless they're sent? And so we need to send... So that they can go and preach in this space to people that have never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. And as a church, you know, if you fire a cannon, right? If you're firing a cannonball, where do, where's the, where do you light the fire, the gunpowder? It's, it's in the cannon. So as a church, if you're going to send these guys and fire them, they need to be shiny and smooth. <laughs> but you guys need to have the fire. The explosion, or if you're playing that game where you've got a hairdryer and a ping pong ball, and you're trying to keep the ping pong ball up with your hairdryer, yeah, it's the hairdryer that's got to keep blowing. If you turn the hot air off, the ping pong ball falls down. And if we're going to keep these guys in play for a long period of time, it's you guys that need to be hot, so and then there'll be others that go, and because you'll be good at it, and you'll have done it well with these guys, and you'll send other people and other people, and that's what that's what we're believing will happen, and so. Be part of this journey with them. Be an amazing sending church. Be a sending church that's worthy of them. Pray, give sacrificially, support, cheer them on, love them, have them in your hearts. For some of you, and I was thinking it's even some of the younger people, these guys are going to be how you learn to pray. So you're going to start praying for them regularly. When I was, look, this is my Bible, it's falling apart. I don't know if you've ever been told this, but if your Bible's falling apart, it's because your life isn't. I I wish that was true. (laughs) This is a bit of money from Afghanistan that someone gave me in 1997 and said, put it in your Bible, and whenever you see it, just remember to pray for Afghanistan. Okay, so that's been in my Bible since 1997. And I don't pray for Afghanistan every day, but I've been praying regularly, and I've never been there. But it's in my heart because i've been praying regularly some of you take this little postcard thing stick it in your bible whenever you see it pray for them some of you might end up praying for them for 20 years and you might learn to pray do the hard yards in supporting these guys so god bless you it's core business it's what jesus has commanded he's the one that's going to judge us at the end of time and there are loads of people in those cities who need you to be cheering for them so that they can be preaching. Amen? Very good. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the talk. Further information about Hope Church can be found at www.hope-church.org.uk Thank you for listening.